0: Ask Rosemary. Relaxation rings and a uh, ring ring. I asked my Instagram followers to send me any problems or issues they needed help with or just advice for and I received way more questions than I'd expected so I'm starting a regular advice column where I'll give my best advice to questions I've been sent via DM or here just reply to this email if you have anything you need help with but I would also love it and think it would be really helpful if you'd get involved and share your thoughts in the comments. In this case I think actually there's no such thing as too many chefs. So buckle up and settle down, because this may be a long one. What's your favourite way to unwind after a busy week? I'm finding it nearly impossible. This, I'd imagine, is a common issue for a lot of people. We're so on answering work emails on weekends, jotting down to-dos on our phones while we're watching TV, taking pictures of inspiration for work when we're out and about, obviously this depends on your industry, that it can be really difficult to properly switch off. I personally find that the only way I can do it is to do something that requires my full or almost full concentration. So a bath isn't a great one for me because while in the bath I can be on my phone, and even if I leave the phone in the other room, my brain's going a mile a minute reminding me of things I need to do once I get out of the bath. I find the same thing happens when I do yoga or try to meditate. Instead, I like to do something like read, do a jigsaw or knit, although the knitting only really works for me because I'm really crap at it and need to concentrate fully. I can just about have something lowbrow on the tv right now it's real housewives of salt lake city in the background but nothing i have to concentrate on or i start purling where i'm meant to be planing or forget to slip the first stitch or drop stitches and i'm absolutely useless of picking them back up again so when the whole project has to go out the window i also find or at least I found, one day last month before it got to absolute nose-atrophyingly-cold temperatures, that walking the dog is good, but only if I switch my phone on airplane mode and listen to music, not podcasts, because most of them make me think too much. Beatrice and I joined a weekly pottery class and had our first session on Thursday, and that was actually a great exercise in mindfulness because, again, I was so crap at it that it required my full concentration, leaving me no brain space for worrying or planning my tasks for the following week. This is also quite a personal thing, though, and I know that what works for me won't work for everyone. So it might be a case of trying a few different things to find what does it for you. Maybe it's going to be a sweaty workout. If you have an exercise bike, YouTube has some great spin tutorials that can be good. While yoga leaves me too much thinking space, anything that has me sweating profusely seems to keep my mind on the task at hand. Or baking, or doing Sudoku, or just a good old-fashioned phone call with a friend. I also highly recommend a regular massage habit. When I stopped going to regular therapy, I started going for a massage every six weeks or so, hoping that it would give me a similarly relaxed feeling, and it's one of my favorite things to do now. Surprise, surprise, and much cheaper than weekly therapy. Although I am in the process of finding a new therapist, so the massage habit might end up being curbed. I'm about to be a first-time mom. Any advice or tips? Honestly, the temptation to craft this response by telling you all the things I did wrong is strong, which makes me think that the most important thing you'll do over the next year is to give yourself grace. Seriously. There are so many moments ahead where you will think you've totally and utterly fucked up. Mine include one particularly terrible moment where I left the door open and Atlas, who had just learned to crawl, rolled all the way down the stairs. And the guilt and shame you'll feel as a result will seriously hinder your ability to sleep, breathe and parent effectively. Try not to have too many fixed ideas about any of it, from how you want the birth to go, to what kind of toys you want your baby to play with, or what kind of books you want to read to them. They're unpredictable little humans above all else, and as such they'll end up dictating a lot of it while you're just along for the ride, and ideally to provide a soft landing for them. I was going to say to ask for help, but I'd actually say more demand help, If you have friends or relatives over, ask them to do things that will make your life easier, like put on a load of washing or hold the baby while you have a shower or help you tighten the car seat. On which note, as often as you possibly can, outsource any and all car seat related activities you need to do. The amount of times I've cried trying to get that seat in or out of the car. However much stuff you think you'll need, you don't. By all means, spoil your baby, and yourself, if that makes you happy. But do not allow yourself any stress whatsoever when it comes to bassinets, or play yards, or play mats, or outfits, or baby hairbrushes, because honestly, you could get by with a few soft, cosy blankets, a handful of soft, cosy baby grows, and a lot of burp cloths. Obviously, if you plan to bottle feed, you'll also need bottles, and sterilising equipment, and formula, and all that good jazz. People were killed telling me to sleep when the baby slept. But that always felt like a waste, because when the baby slept was the only time I got to make tea or coffee for myself, stand and stare aimlessly out the window, have a bath or shower, clip my toenails, wash my hair, you get the gist. Nap when there's someone else there to hold the baby is my mantra. And just, don't let anyone make you feel like you're doing it wrong. If your baby ends up only falling asleep in your arms, so be it. This is just a season of time and it'll be over before you know it. Oh, and mute anyone and everyone on social media whose babies seem to be better babies than yours. People with babies who sleep through the night, people with babies who never get gassy, people with babies who sleep in their bassinets from day one. Mute, mute, mute. It'll just make you feel bad and, like I said, you'll get enough of that. I'm married 13 years and our financial situation has hugely changed. Is it insulting to my partner if I want to upgrade my engagement ring? For example, resetting and upgrading two stones. I don't think he would mind, but is it rude? This, I think, is going to depend on a variety of factors. If, for example, the ring is a family heirloom that was given to your husband to give to you, the idea of resetting it might not sit well with him or with the extended family. In which case, I would maybe suggest doing something like getting a different ring to serve as an engagement ring and switching that ring to another finger or adding an eternity ring. Similarly, if it's a ring that he agonised over choosing for you and was really proud of the design he ultimately went with, I can imagine that might be slightly upsetting for him to hear that you want to change it, and he might think that you weren't happy with it all along. In both of these cases, though, the best course of action would be to talk to him. I did also ask Brandon what he would think, and he said it's not something that would upset him at all, but he did point out that one of his friends proposed using his grandmother's ring, and he can't imagine that his friend would like the idea of making changes to, to that particular ring. Because I'm fancy, though, and I have a friend who's a jeweller by trade, I decided to ask her. Sydney Pacula Owens is part of Fort Wayne's Pacula Diamonds, along with her father, and they do everything from designing bespoke engagement rings and fine jewellery to redesigning antique and vintage pieces. Sydney says, I love this question, and I see it as a very personal choice. Typically, when couples get married, they're young and in a very different place budget-wise than 5 or 10 or 15 years later, so it's very common to upgrade or reset. I think a ring should reflect a couple's journey, and 13 years together is no small feat, and upgrading the ring is a beautiful way to honour that. If she wants to involve him, they could do it together and discuss options. Often, I encourage customers who upgrade to then reset the original diamonds into a pendant or ring to keep. Refreshing a ring not only feels good symbolically, but after 13 years the ring could have seen a decent amount of wear, so a reset could also be a good idea practically. I've never had someone regret, redesign or reset, but wish they'd done it even sooner. Is phone sex cheating? Why are no questions ever fully straightforward? Because this one may be short and sweet, but I truly feel like there's a lot of nuance there. In short... I think phone sex is cheating if you, the person in the relationship with the person engaging in phone sex, feel betrayed or as if you've been cheated on by the action. If, however, you're someone who's totally fine with the idea of your partner having sexy conversations with someone else, then it's not a problem, right? But obviously, both of these answers require that there's open, honest communication in the relationship around one another's expectations and needs when it comes to sexual or even sex-related interactions that happen outside of the relationship. For me personally, I think I would consider phone sex cheating if it was the case that my partner was engaging in it with someone he knew. If, however, he's calling, like, a phone sex hotline, are they still a thing? Or having conversations with someone on OnlyFans whose services he was paying for? I don't think I'd consider that cheating, although I would probably be a bit upset if he hadn't come to me first to ask if this is something we could do together. I guess, in my mind, if it involves engaging the services of a sex worker, it sits more in a category alongside, say, watching porn – if, however, he's having phone sex with a co-worker or a friend, that would definitely constitute, constitute cheating in my book. But like I said, if it's something that makes you uncomfortable, you're well within your rights to sit down and make that clear to your partner. And if he or she isn't willing to take your feelings into consideration, that might then lead to a bigger and possibly more difficult conversation. That's all for this week, or this time. Please do weigh in if you have any advice or ideas to share on any of the above questions. And if you have a question of your own, DM me on Instagram. Email me at rosemary.mccabe at gmail.com or simply reply to this email. All correspondence will remain anonymous.